Praise the Lord. Well, we had an incredible Easter weekend thus far, and it started with uh, Pastor Trinity uh, sharing an incredible word on Good Friday. Did you all appreciate that word that she shared? It was a, it was a, I sat there just, I sat in the front row just weeping as we reminisce and heard about the price that Jesus paid uh, that was gruesome. And today is the day that we celebrate the fact that he overcame it all. It is Easter, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Our Modesto campus last night had an incredible time. We had the most people that that campus in the history, and, and it's multiple names in the history that it's, that it's had, the most people that were ever on that campus at one time. In fact, we uh, probably didn't plan accordingly because there were so many people in the auditorium. Um, I'm glad the fire marshal wasn't there, right? Uh, then there were people in the lobby and way overcrowded. Then there were people outside the front door, underneath the vestibule, outside the side door, all the way around the courtyard. They parked almost a half a mile down on either side. We had them double parked, parallel, everything parked on both sides of the roads. And oh, as best as I could tell, it was hard to figure out. We know we had around 500 people there, but best as I could tell, there was at least 100 people conservatively that committed their lives to Jesus Christ and, and got born again last night. What a wonderful time. Merry Easter. You probably walked in this morning and thought, well, they don't have a very good team or a, the budget is really small. They still haven't taken down their Christmas decorations. And I want to talk to you today a message I've never done before on ever on Easter. And I had this idea and I would like for you to follow along with me and maybe we can learn something. I want to talk to you about um, culture. And society and what we live in today and, and, and how it's much more comfortable for people in society today to enjoy and to proclaim and to uh, go to and participate in the, the Christmas Jesus than it is for us to proclaim and, and discuss and talk about and live for Easter Jesus. Now, I realize Christmas Jesus and Easter Jesus are the same Jesus. Somebody say amen. But the world is much more comfortable with a baby in the manger than a man in, who's 33 years old who was brutally beaten and died upon a Roman cross to save all of mankind from their sins. We would much rather talk about the baby in the manger than we would talk about the crucified Jesus. And so, some, how many of y'all remember a man named David Letterman? Anybody remember that guy, guy? Good. The rest of you just, you look it up, right? Google it. I remember when I watched David Letterman late at night, he would oftentimes have the top 10 list. Anybody remember the top 10 list? He, the, I, I enjoy watching the top 10 list. I, I'm not going to give you the top 10 list because some of y'all have Easter lunch that you got to get to today, but I'm going to give you the top five reasons that I would suggest to you today why Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus. Now again, my disclaimer is it's the same Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I'm not at all insulting the fact that God gave his one and only son that came to us in the manger. But what I am saying is Easter Jesus is greater than Christmas Jesus. And I'm going to show you why in my top five points. Number one, everybody say number one. I appreciate your participation in Resurrection Sunday. Christmas Jesus received gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Easter Jesus received gifts of sin, hurt, and pain. 
Christmas Jesus received good gifts from wise men. And I'll tell you something in life today, if you're a wise man or woman of God, you will bring your gifts today to Easter Jesus, the one who conquered it all upon the cross. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is about Christmas Jesus and the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, in a stable. I need you to understand that the gold and the frankincense and myrrh, I mean, this is, this is gold, right? It's not real, so don't rush the, the stage. This, this is myrrh, this is real, and this is frankincense, and this is real, okay? So gold, frank, and you're like, well, they, they literally brought him three different flavors of rocks is what they did. What a present. But in that time, these things were extremely valuable, they were, uh, 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 like the gold symbolized that Jesus was royal, right? And the, the, the frankincense symbolized that Jesus was pure. It was an incense, frankincense. And, and myrrh symbolized that Jesus was this sweet aroma. Everywhere he went, he would carry the presence. He is the presence of God and would bring sweet aroma, change the atmosphere of wherever he went. Easter Jesus, though, didn't receive gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Easter Jesus received gifts of sin and, and our hurt and our pain. Thank you, Lord. The greatest scandal upon the cross was at that moment, Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, became the worst of the worst. He literally took all of our sins. This is a participatory message this morning. He literally took all of our sins. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. I'd like you to look, if you would please, at first, or first, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. And I'll be reading to you from the NIV, and you can be looking at your Bible, or you certainly can be looking on the screen. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin. That's Jesus. For us, that's you and me. So that in him, that's Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Then it says also in, in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse number 25, which I'm going to read off the screen because this is the New Living Translation, which I love. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. He was raised to life to make us right with God. You know, the gifts that the wise men brought to Christmas Jesus actually pointed to the gifts that the wise men, you and me today, bring to Easter, Jesus. Will you allow me to teach for just a moment on this Resurrection Sunday? The gold, the gold that Jesus was brought as, as a baby by the wise men actually symbolized Easter Jesus and what he was going, going to do. You see, in the Old Testament, every year, the high priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies. It was a center room, a back room, if you will, where the presence of God literally was found. You weren't allowed to be in the presence of God. Only the high priest could go in once a year to make atonement for your sins. 
it sounds crazy to us because we live today. But then annually, in order to get rid of the sins of the people, the high priest would have to go in and, and visit God and ask for forgiveness on our behalf. A lot of sacrifices were made. A lot of ceremonies had to be gone through. But that dwelling place of God, the Holy of Holies, was actually lined with, you guessed it, gold. The walls, the, 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 the ceiling, it was lined with gold. See, when they entered that place that was lined with gold, the high priest found forgiveness for their sins. Easter Jesus is our atonement place. We can bring all of our sins to Jesus and he will forgive us all our sins and all our trespasses. Frankincense. Frankincense is a, is a form of, of incense in the Old Testament. The hurt of, y'all been hurt before. Some of you hurt right now. I shook some hands this morning and I'm like, yeah, you're not doing so good. Not all of you, but some of you just not doing so good. Maybe part of what you're experiencing is some hurt today. The hurt of our sins can be forgiven by Jesus. And in the Old Testament, it was forgiven by bringing your sins to the altar through ceremonial tasks. We don't have to do ceremonial things anymore. We simply take our needs to God and God will cleanse us and forgive us and strengthen us. But one of the requirements in the Old Testament was you had to burn incense. You had to burn incense at the altar for the forgiveness and the freedom from the hurt of your sins. And the kind of incense that they would burn was, was frankincense because it was considered to be pure and holy. Jesus, this was a present to Jesus as a baby. Jesus is, was, and will always be pure and holy. And we can bring all of our hurts even today to the Lord and he will cleanse us. He will strengthen us and he will renew us. Somebody say amen. amen. Myrrh, myrrh. Yeah, that's a crazy gift, right? Let me give you, you know what I'm going to get you? I, I'm going to get you some myrrh. What is myrrh? Myrrh is a, it's a, it's like a stone, but it, it was also a, um, I, I, I struggle to use this word because of the place right down the street, but it's a medicinal thing is what it is. All right. So we got to be very careful about what that is in our current culture, but it's medicinal. It's a, it's a stone that would be used as a medicinal tonic. They would mix it with certain um, um, liquids and stir it around and boil it. And if you drank it, this myrrh could bring around medicinal benefits to your body. For what? To stop the pain. It, it, would, it would take the pain away. It was also used to uh, anoint somebody with myrrh uh, for their burial. So it was used for multiple purposes. It was given to Jesus when he was a babe. But Easter Jesus, triumphant Jesus, came to die so that our pain would be healed, so that we, we can bring him our pain. To, it all connects. Christmas Jesus received gifts, received gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But Easter Jesus not only receives our gifts of sin, hurt, and pain, but he also gives us gifts in return. And the gift that he gives us is the gift of, of his righteousness. It means we're made right with God. You can't do that. You can't pay enough money. You can't do enough good works. You can't live a good enough life. You can't do it on your own. Jesus gives you that freedom. Praise the Lord. Number two, Christmas Jesus was visited by the shepherds. Easter Jesus, he was our shepherd. 
Christmas Jesus was, I, I just got to read to you uh, several scriptures here, but I want to start in the book of Luke here, and we're going to take a look at the account in the book of Luke, the first, or the starting with verse number eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Some of y'all feel like it's Christmas. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. In that day... In Christmas Jesus Day, if we had society on as rungs in the ladder, on a ladder, you might have royalty and nobility toward the top. You would think at the bottom of it would be maybe, I don't know, like prostitutes, right, would be at the bottom. But there's a rung below like that profession, and that would be the profession of being a shepherd. It was the lowest of low. In, it's below tax collectors, below thievery. It's below prostitutes. Is the shepherds. They're like the lowest of all low. And the shepherds were the ones that the angels appeared to. Even they were the lowest of the low. But Easter Jesus was our shepherd. In fact, it says in John's gospel, chapter 10, verse number 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ, willingly laid down his life for the lost sheep. That is you. That is me. That's all of us. You know, if you were the only one ever born, I believe God still would have sent his only begotten son to die on that cross just for you. He laid down his life. He made the ultimate sacrifice and gave it all up as our substitute. You see, you deserved it. Everything Trent talked about on Friday, I deserved it. The pain, the punishment, the consequence of my sins, I deserve hell. You deserve hell. None of us deserve to close our eyes and open up our eyes a nanosecond later in the presence of God. None of us do. Every one of us deserves a devil's hell for all of eternity. And there's no debating that. That's why God sent his son. The sin requires a consequence. It requires punishment. It requires remission. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the ultimate price for us. I guess you could say it this way. The keepers of the sheep, the, the, the shepherds, met baby Jesus, who on the cross became the keeper of the sheep, the good shepherd. Number three, Christmas Jesus shed drops of tears. Easter Jesus 
shed drops of blood. Babies cry. We've got seven grandbabies on our way to 45. I, I don't, don't say that prophetically, but girls, you know what I'm saying? I like babies. Babies cry. Christmas Jesus. Trinity's looking freaked out over there. Christmas Jesus. Christmas Jesus would have cried. Babies cry. Would have dropped, uh, shed drops of, of tears. But let me tell you something about those tears. Nobody ever got saved through those tears. Nobody ever got healed. Nobody ever got changed by the tears of Christmas Jesus. But what a different story when we look at the shed drops of blood of Easter Jesus. I'd like you to turn, if you would, please, or look at the screen. And we're going to flip over now to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, but God demonstrates his own love for this, us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ cried for us. It says, babies cry. It says Christ died for us. Christmas Jesus shed some tears. Easter Jesus shed his blood. Verse number nine, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. Justified, 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 just as if I never sinned. That's what justified means. Uh, since we've been, would you put it back up, please? Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? When we are justified, our guilt is taken away. Our shame is taken away. Uh, our inheritance is restored. The blood of Jesus makes all the difference. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were in captivity and slavery, they were in trouble again, right? This time they were in slavery to the Egyptians, and they had been in slavery for some 400 years. It was a rough, difficult life for them. God finally raises up a man named Moses, and you remember the story, Charlton Heston, right? You're sure you do. You remember the story? God raises up a man named Moses, and he says, I want you to go and, and declare to let my people go. And so he goes before Pharaoh on nine different occasions, and all nine of those occasions, Pharaoh refuses, regardless regardless of the plagues that God sends. Doesn't matter if they're boils or gnats or the worst one of all, frogs. That's just gross. Isn't that gross, right? But all of those, all of those plagues come that direction. And, and still, Pharaoh won't let God's people go. And so on the, the last plague that God sends, as you, as you probably recall, the 10th plague, God says, here's the plague. Tonight, the death angel is going to come. And when the death angel comes, the firstborn of every family is going to die. It doesn't matter if you're 81 years old. If you were the firstborn, you're dying that night. And we're talking about your, your oldest dog, your oldest cow. Every firstborn of every, everything that's living is going to die tonight, period. Unless, unless you find a spotless, pure, um, perfect lamb and you sacrifice it ceremonially. Now we don't have to do that. And there's a reason why. But unless you find that lamb, and then you smear the blood of that lamb, which sounds pretty gross, right? It sounds pretty nasty. But you smear the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of your house. Stay inside. Stay there that night. When you do that, then when the death angel comes, the death angel's not going to come into your house and execute the firstborn in your family, the firstborns, if you will. He will pass over your home. 
That's what Passover is all about. That happened to be the, the feast that Jesus was celebrating the week before, before he was crucified. And Jesus is the Passover lamb. He, he is the sacrificial, spotless, perfect lamb of God, given once and for all for the forgiveness of our sins. All we need to do is to receive the gift of salvation. Guys, it's, it's all about the blood of Easter Jesus. Shed tears don't save you. Shed blood saves you. Number four. Somebody say number four. Christmas Jesus left behind an empty womb, but Easter Jesus left behind an empty tomb, baby, right? Christmas Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, carried by the Virgin Mary in her womb. And what an amazing woman Mary was. We don't want to take anything away from her. She was highly favored of God. She was submissive to God. I mean, she, she counted the cost. She knew that likely Joseph was going to take off because I'm not standing with this woman who's done cheated on me, right? He, she probably, she had no idea how she's going to be a single mom raising God's son on her own, right? Because the whole world was going to judge her. Yet she said without hesitation. May it be to me as you have said. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mary was a woman of faith. Uh, she had no social status whatsoever. She was a devout worshiper. She was thoughtful. She was a woman of perseverance. And Christmas Jesus came through her womb. While we appreciate and we honor Mary, her empty womb is not significant. John chapter 20. Let's read just a few verses from John's gospel chapter uh, chapter 20 this morning, beginning at verse number one. This is the resurrection story. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. How'd you like to be John? Never really named there, just and the other disciple and the other guy, you know, the one who Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter, well, and the other disciple, started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple, that'd be John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, mm. as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, he also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. What does the empty tomb give to us? What is so significant about the empty tomb as we consider, as we consider what it gives to us? The empty tomb frees us from our sins. Romans chapter 6 for I, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. In other words, let me give you a little bit of an explanation or interpretation. When we get saved, when we give our lives to Jesus, confess him as our Lord and Savior, when we truly do that, we died with Christ. 
And then we are immediately raised to a new life with Christ. Sin has no power over a dead person. Sin has no power over a dead person. So when we live with Jesus and we make him the Lord of our lives, we walk in freedom from sin. And as I said before, God hates sin. He does not hate you. He loves you, but he hates the sin in you. He loathes it. There's no other word that I can describe how badly God hates sin. And sin demands justice. Jesus took the penalty for our sins, the punishment for our sins. We deserve it, and he took it. Let me just tell you this. All other gods, lowercase g, gods, are dead. Not one of them that people claim to be a god is alive. But we serve a living Savior. Jesus Christ is alive. Praise the Lord. The empty tomb sets our faith apart. It gives us true hope. And number five, maybe my favorite one of all, Christmas Jesus centers around Caesar writing people's names in a book of earthly life, a book about where you came from. Easter Jesus is about writing names in the book of eternal life, a book about where you are going. Let me take you back to Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, just a couple of verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Corius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. In Christmas Jesus Day, Caesar Augustus required that people go to their hometown to register for a census. A census, like we do in America today, and most nations do, is a way of tracking the people. And, and in, in this case, it was really twofold from Caesar's eyes. See, he wanted you to go register for the census so that he could take from you your taxes. How many of y'all like, nobody likes taxes, right? He wanted to take from the people. If you register, I know you, I see you. I want your money, I want your stuff. Secondly, he wanted them to register at this census because he wanted, he wanted to require of them military service. In other words, you're registering for the census because you are going to be drafted into the army. You might not even agree with the stand that we're taking, but you're going to be used as a weapon in the army of the Roman government. That's why the census was required. And by the way, if you don't go to register for the census, oh, we're just going to have you killed. So that was the rule. And that was in, Jesus, in Christmas Jesus' day. But in Easter Jesus' day, 
Let me turn with you to the very last book of the Bible, the almost the, right toward the end, uh, chapter 20. There's only 22 chapters in Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. And it says in verse number 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Through Easter Jesus, we can have our name written in the book of life. And I want you to see the difference. When you give your heart to Jesus, every man, woman, boy, and girl, doesn't matter how old you are, young you are, doesn't matter what you thought, said, done, participated in, had done to you, it's equal for all of us. His grace is available to you. His forgiveness is available to you right now. You don't have to qualify for it. You have to take a class. You don't have to sign a membership card. You don't have to pay any money. You don't have to serve in any capacity. You simply receive from God. And when you receive eternal life from, from God through Jesus, your name, your name is written in the book. Your name is written in a book that the Bible calls the Lamb's Book of Life. It's like a reservation list. When your name is written in that book, I want you to understand it's written in that book because God wants to give you heaven. Caesar wanted to take from you money and taxes. God wants to give to you heaven. When your name is written in that book, God wants to offer to you freedom. But, but Caesar, when your name was written in this book, he wanted to take from you for military service. Do you see the difference? The script has done been flipped. Faith in Easter Jesus ensures that our name is written in the book. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, will not die, but will have eternal life. And Romans chapter 10, verse number nine, which we've already read before, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. During Christmas Jesus time, Caesar's census book was about knowing where you came from. But Easter Jesus book is about knowing where you're going. It all comes down, really, it just comes down to two books. It comes down to this book and this book. See, if you believe this book, if you believe in the God that, that inspired the authors uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to give us the anointed, infallible, authoritative word of Almighty God, if you believe in this book and the words thereof, all of it, all of it, and you receive, by the way, believing is not enough. The devil believes it too. So not just about believing. It's, it's, about, it's about receiving, confessing. That scripture that we put on, Romans chapter 10, verse number nine. Could you put that back up for please, Marissa? I appreciate it so much. And, and Jesus is Lord. You see, you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He, what is Lord? Lord means ruler. He's in control. Oh, some of you don't want to give up your control. Believe me, you'll experience more freedom by giving up your control than you ever will be by keeping it. Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which is what the scriptures say. Then your name will be recorded in the Lamb's book, in the Lamb's book of life. I, I, some of y'all probably going to have a great Easter dinner today. 
lunch or dinner. Some of y'all can't stop thinking about it right now. Some of you are going to go out to a restaurant and, and enjoy a nice meal. Maybe some of you are going to kick back and watch the Masters, right? It's going to be a good, good golf tournament. Some, some of you got other plans that you're going to do. Some years we would take our family out for a nice meal. I would call ahead. It's hard to get reservations sometimes at places, but you can do call ahead seating. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Do call ahead seating and say, that's a party of 15. We're gonna, we'd love to be able to do this. They're gonna go, well, that's a two hour wait. Fantastic, good, thank you so much. Um, be there, be there plenty of time, okay? So you get there and they're like, yeah, we have no record that you've, you, you're on the list. And you know, then you decide, I'll repent later. I'm gonna go ahead and become unchristian right now. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Please don't, I'm just, just joking. But you start coming unglued, right? You start thinking, wait a minute, my name should be on that list. But my name wasn't. Last night, we had one requirement for people to participate in the 10,000 Easter egg hunt that we had at the, the Dream Center. It's, in the, it's, on the, it's on the wrong side of the tracks in Modesto. Our campus is there. Um, it's it's in, a, in an area that I would call uh, the working poor. Work, and some of us qualify, right? Work really, really hard, but there's always more month than money left, right? And, and these folks need a hand up, not a hand out. And so we're there to serve. And we've got full-time people living right there on the campus, serving people night and day, clothes and, and food and, and through services that we offer and recovery groups and classes and all these sorts of things that we do to serve the community. We had one requirement for last night's outreach and that was you come at six o'clock. Six o'clock, you come to the gathering. There's, by the way, this seven foot chain link fence all the way around the campus is all secure. So there's no way to come in except through the front door of the church. And the only way you can, you can participate in the egg hunt and the festivities and the free hot dogs and the free boxes of groceries we gave and all the clothes we gave away and the fire pit time and all sorts of the bounce out, all the stuff that we had going was if you came to the gathering at six, I think it's a pretty fair trade, right? Come and, come and hear what the good news of Easter is all about and then you get to participate. I had a mama come up to me uh, while I was outside last night. She was ticked off. You ever, you know what I'm talking about, right? You don't know where I'm going with this, too. Mama says, uh, I was trying to come in. I said, well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm sorry it was so full. People were outside the doors, and it was probably hard to get in. So when, when, by the way, when, when did you come? She said, well, just a couple minutes ago. I said, well, it's like, it's like 7.15. It's like 7.30. Um, um, what, why'd you, she said, well, they, there's a, that mean lady up front. I don't know which mean lady it was, but I don't know any mean lady there at our church. She was closing the door on me. I said, well, you're here. Did she open the door? She said, well, she opened the door. Yeah, she, she let me in. A, but I said, but she was so rude to me. She said, well, you're supposed to come to the, to the gathering. It started at 6 p.m. I said, well, is, is that a true statement? She said, well, yeah, but I didn't know. And I said, wait a minute now. Um, everybody knew. I mean, it's got a giant billboard out front that kind of says that. And, um, we, we, everything on, on social media has said that. All of our flyers that we canvassed with said that. I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Well, if this was not, I didn't know it was shared on a mother's group on Facebook. I said, well, God bless you. I said, I don't know what they shared, but they, unless somebody went through and edited our uneditable stuff that we put on Facebook, it was, it was clearly said that this is, I realized frustrated and I'm so glad you're here and the egg hunt's going to start in just a moment. Take your little munchkins over there and, and jump in there and enjoy the egg hunt. We're glad you're here and I'm sorry that you felt that way. But as I'm talking to this lady and I'm trying to love her because that's what we do. Yes, grace, grace, grace. But I'm thinking of the book, 
And I'm thinking, oh, what a tragic day that's going to be for people who have convinced themselves in this life that you can, you can complain and you can argue and you can lash out and you can justify and you can lie and you can even rally other people like she put on Facebook last night. How horrible they were to me. I don't care about that, by the way. I'm, I'm okay. What I do care is if people think that by doing that litany, standing before God on the day when your name's not in that book, well, it should be in the book. It's not. There is no arguing. There is no debating. At that time, it's over. And what a shame. I would be remiss if all we did was just celebrate a little bit here, high five you so that you'll want to come back. Our job is to tell the truth, to tell the whole truth and, and nothing but the truth according to God's word. And the truth is, if your name is not on the reservation list, if your name is not found in the book, then you will not be granted entrance into heaven. In fact, you'll hear these dreaded words. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, I got to wonder if maybe, if maybe in that second or two, as the demons are dragging you, if you won't have flashbacks of April 9th, 2023, you're given an opportunity to get your name written in the book. It's not a scare tactic. People think it is. They want to lash out and blame. You see how the cycle keeps on going. It, it's not that. It's just the truth. I and mean, it's the truth is the truth is the truth. And my children, which we raised a lot of them, but when my children would do something wrong and they had a consequence to their behavior, there was no doubt that I was going to have to be faced with, Troy, you got to be strong. Because they were going to, they're very skilled at, at their debating, right? Very skilled at that. Um, and I was going to be talked at, at and try to convince that either they didn't mean it or that that wasn't their intention. All of that is irrelevant when you stand before God. He knows our hearts. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So I guess my question is the same question that I asked last night. It's the same question I'm going to ask until I breathe my very last breath because I'm all in with this thing. Is, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name in the book? See, Jesus paid the price and we celebrate him coming at Christmas and we celebrate his sacrifice at Easter and, and we celebrate his resurrection and we're so grateful for what he did. We acknowledge it, we know it, we know it, but that doesn't mean we've received it. It must be personal. Your grandmommy's uh, faith is not gonna save you. Your daddy's faith is not gonna save you. Your brothers and people tell me, oh, my, my dad was a preacher. Yeah, and you're so far from God, it's, it's sad, right? But your preacher daddy's not gonna get you into heaven. My children are not going to heaven because I, because I preach the word of God. And their children are not gonna go to heaven because they preach the word of God. Everybody has to make their own choice. And the question that you're faced with today is a very daunting question. Am I gonna serve God or am I gonna serve myself? Would you bow your heads and bow your hearts? Some of you, I'm, I'm excited for you, and yet I'm also very fearful for you. 
because for some people in this room, this will be the very last Resurrection Sunday that they celebrate this side of eternity. Because we're not promised another breath in our being. None of us are old or young. And it would be a marvelous thing if each one of us in this room, watching online, listening by podcast, could say with all sincerity that my name is found in the book. And as I've stated before, there's only one way to know, and that's to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Asking him to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart, and he'll change your life. He'll give you new life is what he'll do. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for just a moment, I want you to ponder that question. Is my name in there? And if your answer is, surely it's in there, then I would ask you to take a double look. Pay attention to that. Are you glossing over it? Is it really in there? Also, if your name is in the book because you've confessed Jesus as Lord, but you've lived, deliberately lived a life that is contrary to what God wants you to do, I would ask you to repent. I would ask you to say, God, I'm sorry. I want to use my life to live it for you and not for me. I want to find freedom in you and not be selfish in the way that I choose to live. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, ensure that your name's in the book to not only have life when you die, eternal life with God, but to make sure that you enjoy abundant life here on earth. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have problems. It just means your perspective on those problems is totally gonna change. He's with you. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, make sure your name is in the book. Here's your opportunity now. I'm gonna count to three and when I get to three, those that would like to pray a prayer with me, that's all you have to do. A prayer that simply says Jesus is Lord. I will not embarrass you. I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world. But if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, you'll pray a prayer with me. And then we're gonna just simply celebrate what God has done in your life. One, don't hesitate now. Two, you're gonna have to do this courageously. Three, heads bowed, eyes closed, hands up. Put your hand up, come on now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see it, I see it, I see it. Don't hesitate, just put it up. God, I give you my life, I give you my life, I give you my life, God. I don't wanna live the same way. I wanna be changed, transformed. I wanna be new, I wanna be, I want my name to be in the book, God. Now if your hand is up, I'd like you simply to pray this prayer, but remember, say it with your mouth. So you don't have to yell it, just say it right where you're at. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart, change my life. I declare that Jesus is Lord of all. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me to live a better life. Help me to live a new life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And can we just say thank you, Lord? the dozens of people give their hearts to Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So when you give your heart to Jesus, there's, there's not a church requirement, but there's a strong suggestion in the Bible. And that is when you're, when you're born again, the old is gone, the new has come. Get, get in touch with the church. And if you aren't from here, you're from out of town, visiting family members, wherever you're from, find a good Bible-believing Christian church. If you don't have a church and you live here, guess what, baby? You got one now. We welcome you here at New Life Church. We're glad you're here. We will walk this walk with you. I'll tell you this, you're a bunch of crackpots and so am I, right? That, that's, that's us together, but together 
We're going to get to the other side and we're going to take as many people with us as we possibly. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who do not know Jesus Christ because that's how important this is. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord.